Hey, I'm Jaden. I'm, I'm part of the team here at Oceans. And uh, hey, we just love doing what we do. Like, this is awesome, hey? How good was the worship? Gemma killed it with the hosting. Um, and we just love getting in a place where we can turn our focus to God. And at the moment, as you saw, we've been in this series where we're looking at break free. This idea of breaking free. Because we just believe that God's just got so much freedom in store for each and every one of us that, you know, we can live a Christian life, but we can still live a Christian life with things attached to us. And and so God in us will result in more freedom. And uh, so the first week we talked about the battle of the mind and how so often there can be things in our mind that just hold us down, shape shape for that message. And last week I preached about sexual strongholds and, and how, you know, the truth behind how detrimental they can be, but also how, you know, life-giving it was designed to be. Um, and we had a good time around that. It wasn't too awkward. It was good. It was good. We were all good. Um, and today, um, you know, we're just going to continue this series. But I want to encourage you, we're in this place. And, uh, and I just believe that God's not done yet. And, and we don't want to leave here with any unfinished business, right? God's still got more and, and there's more freedom that He wants to do in us. And there's this verse in, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We don't go walking around with AK-47s. We divide, we, we fight and uh, with divine power to demolish strongholds. Well, what are strongholds? Strongholds are anything that won't let you go. The, the, the Greek word for stronghold literally means a, a prisoner held captive by deception. So things in our minds, things in our lives, in, in, in our lives, in our habits that hold us down, that, you know, are born out of deception. And so we do not fight with the weapons of this world. You know, although, you know, counseling is awesome and we believe in it and it's awesome. We, we believe in, you know, all these things. But, you know, we fight these battles with divine power. God gives us, it says, we have divine power to not just manage strongholds, to not just cope with strongholds, but to demolish strongholds in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's go. Hey, we're going to be talking about... Um, about addictions in this last one, but it's it's addictions, but it's so much more. But before we do, I'm just going to pray. Dear God, I just pray that, yeah, Father, that you would speak through me, that it wouldn't just be my words or what's prepared or anything like that, Father, but it would be you working on hearts. And Father, right now, we just take the time to turn our focus to you. We turn our eyes to you, God. We tune out the distractions. We tune out the voices, God. We just ready our hearts and ready our minds to receive from you. Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can we thank Ben? Awesome. Cool, cool. Well, we're talking about addictions today. And, uh, you know, addictions, it's so much more than, you know, there's the big ones like, you know, sexual addictions and drug addictions and, and, and um, you know, alcohol, alcohol addictions, being an alcoholic. And there's all these addictions. But I also just believe, like, addiction is anything that I don't, that I do, that I don't want to do but that I can't stop doing. An addiction is, is anything that you do that, that you don't necessarily want to do it, but you do it, and you can't stop doing it no, no matter how much you try. And it's something that, you know, if it weren't in your life, to be honest, your life would be better. It's something that if you could just deal with and live without, that your life would be better. And it begins to control our lives, and it begins to have this hold in our lives, but it doesn't make our lives better. 
You know, addictions could be, you know, comfort food. You know, it could be our phones. It could be, you know, gossip or, or, or speaking poorly of other people in order to feel better about myself. It could be, you know, coffee. It's, it, some of these addictions... Um, some of these things uh, have a hold over our lives. And, and, you know, with coffee, I love coffee. I enjoy a good coffee. In fact, if you had a coffee today, it was made by my grinder that I brought from home. It, I like coffee. We have a good coffee set up. I enjoy drinking it. I enjoy making it. I enjoy the smell of it. I enjoy the effects of it. Um, I enjoy coffee. Coffee is good, right? But, you know, when I started drinking coffee as a 17 and 18-year-old, I just really consciously, I was like, man, I've just seen people get addicted to coffee, and I don't want to be the sort of person that can't function without a coffee. And so I started building into my life. One day a week, I'll just take a day. I'm not going to drink that. I'm just going to say no to that. I'm going to take a break from coffee. And, you know, I do that even now, almost every week. I just take a break from coffee because things can be addictive. And things can be controlling. And, and if we don't learn to say no to some things every now and then, then we can begin not just to do them continuously, but they begin to sort of control us a little bit. Like, I don't want to be the sort of person who gets headaches and, and can't get out of bed and, and do all these things because I haven't had my coffee. I don't want to, be, I don't want to serve coffee. I, I, I don't want that to be, you know, what defines my life. And so the Bible identifies this struggle in Romans 7, 24 to 25. It says, uh, this is Paul speaking. It says, So I find this law at work. Although, uh, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. I want to do good in my life. I, I want to do good, but I've got evil, you know, right there tempting me. For, my, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. My heart wants to do the right thing. I, I want to ultimately live a good life. I, I love God, but I see another law at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of, of sin at work within me. I'm at war. And, and it goes on to say, finishes the verse, I am a wretched man. I, in other words, I don't like my life. I don't like who I've become. You know, there's another war, there's another law at work on our minds and it's trying to make us a prisoner of, of things. It's trying to make us a prisoner of sin. It's trying to make us a prisoner of, there's, a, there's another law at work within us, you know, so we can have the right heart and want to serve God and, and even like, you know, just open our hearts a little bit to God. But how many of us know that there's another thing right there that's trying to, trying to tempt us as, um, at work within us? And ultimately, ultimately, it robs us of our joy, I am a wretched man. It robs us of our joy for life. You know, um, what we're going to do today is we're going to expose some lies around addiction. We did this last week, but I encourage you. Like, this is a principle that Ash and I live out. Like, whenever there's a lie that seems to be in our minds that, you know, is something that's just holding us down. Like, I I'm not good enough. I, I can't do this. You know, I I'm not enough. Whenever there's something like that, um, we write it down. And then we go into the Bible and we search out God's truth, what he says. We write that underneath it and we cross out the lie. And so what I want us to do is if you're in this place, you've got a notebook, that would be best. But if you're in this place and you've got a phone, let's take notes and let's write down some addiction lies that also feed into other areas of our lives. But I think we all sort of navigate addictions. But here are some addiction lies that we're going to break today. So the first one is, I am what I'm addicted to. I am what I'm addicted to. There's, there's counseling strategies that are, that are really good. We fully believe in them. They're awesome. But the thing with the counseling strategies is part of the process is to admit you are something. 
is, is to internalize it. You know, I am an alcoholic. I am, and it's coming to this place of acceptance, which is really important. But, but the danger is, is that we can begin to internalize that thing and say, I am this. I am identified by my struggle. But the truth is that, that you are who God says you are. God doesn't, doesn't just see you as you are, but he sees you as the potential that's in you. He sees you as you could be. So God isn't just looking at you and being like, oh, that person struggles with this, therefore he's that. No, God is saying, hey, this person is my son. He's my daughter. She, she's my daughter. Um, and that's who he sees you as. And he, and he begins to speak out um, potential over you. You don't need to identify with your struggles. You need to identify with your Savior. And so it's important to admit and accept, but don't identify as your struggles. Identify with your Savior. And this goes for anyone who's struggling with any sort of identity, maybe feeling shame over something that happened. We need to begin to discover who God says we are. Because when we find that, we find who we're made to be. And so God says we are His child. God says we are His friend. God says we are justified. We are justified. God says we are redeemed. He says we are free. We are accepted by Christ, and we are no longer a slave to sin. So we're replacing the lie today. I am, who, I am what I'm addicted to with the truth that I am who God says I am. You know, if you struggle with identity, I encourage you. The Bible is full of, of who God says you are. Go and discover it. Go and find this out, and, and you'll begin to, to uncover bits of yourself that you didn't even know were there. I am who God says I am. Lie number two is I am hopelessly addicted. You know, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, but I just can't stop. I've taken advice. I've got prayer. I've come up the front. I've got therapy, but I just can't stop. Nothing I try works. I'm hopelessly addicted. Let me tell you that that is a lie, that, that you are not hopeless. You know, the God we serve can raise people from the dead. So that means if Lazarus still has hope, being all dead in his dead body, if he still has hope, then we still have hope. If, if there's, you know, the stories in the Bible, if they still have hope, then there's still a hope for us to actually begin to, you know, walk in a new sense of freedom. And it hasn't happened yet. Well, God isn't finished yet. And I don't know why it didn't work. I don't know why things don't just happen in an instant. Ash and I are having this discussion on the way here. Why don't things just happen? Like, I don't know why, but but I know that if you keep pursuing God, you'll continue to find freedom bubble up in your life. You'll begin to find, hey, I don't know why you're struggling with that, but I know that if you struggle with that with God, you'll begin to find freedom. You'll begin to find new strength, and, and God will actually begin to strengthen you through that. And so we're replacing the lie of I'm hopelessly addicted to I place my hope in God, not immediate results. I replace my, I place my hope in God and not immediate hopes. Line number three is I am past the point of no return. I'm too far gone. We can fall into the trap of thinking I am just too far gone. You know, this Christianity stuff, it's good. might even be right. It might even be good, but I'm, I'm gone. Like I've, I've messed up too much. If only I'd heard about this sooner, I could have come into a relationship with God, but too much has happened now, you know? And, and you feel, um, you know, you just feel irre- irredeemable. And it's not true. God can do more in the latter part of your life than the early years. God can actually begin to do more in the, in, the, in the next season of your life than the last. Psalm says it like this. It says, just one day in your courts, O God, is better than a thousand elsewhere. In other words, you know, the moment you start to live for God, the moment you start to, to um, you know, go 
in this direction. It'll be better than the rest of your life. You're not past the point of no return. It can start today. It can start today. So we're, we're replacing the lie of I'm past the point of no return with the truth that today I am redeemed by Christ. Today I am redeemed by Christ. Number four is I ease the pain. I will ease the pain by getting my next fix. I will ease the pain. You know, it'll, I'll feel better if I can just get the next fix. And, and we can find temporary comfort when we go back to our addictions. Who knows that? Like, you can find a temporary sort of comfort when you go back to the thing you're addicted to. But we all know that when we go down this path, it makes it worse. It makes it worse and worse. And, and you're adding shame on top of shame on top of shame. And, and you just can't. It's like this spiral where you can't begin to get out of it. And we become slaves of the very thing that we're addicted to. So it's not even that it's serving us anymore. It's flipped. We're serving that. We begin to live our lives for that addiction. Our lives begin, um, our life begins to serve what we're addicted to. And, and let me tell you that Christ came back to break every stronghold. He says that you don't need to be a slave anymore. When he came and he died on the cross, he died for my, uh, died for my freedom so that I don't need to be a slave to that thing anymore. I don't need to be captive or led or that doesn't need to be number one anymore. In fact, the only thing I need to be a slave to is freedom in Christ. Christ is calling us into that freedom. And so we're replacing the lie of I'll ease my pain. I'll feel better when I get my next fix with the truth that I am no longer a slave to my addiction. And so there's some lies that we're breaking down. I'm sure there's more, but hey, they're prophetic truths that God is speaking over you. In, in other words, they're things that God is helping you to become. They're truths that God will reveal in you when you begin to follow him in these ways. And you might be sitting there thinking, man, that's great, that's awesome, but I don't feel like that. that that's awesome, but that's, that's not how I feel right now. And I just love the way that Paul um, feels the exact same. And he's just so honest about feeling like that as well. In Romans 7, 24 to 25, it says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one that can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Paul's, Paul, Paul, the guy who wrote half the New Testament, he is at the end of his rope. Is there, is there nothing that anyone could do for me. I've tried everything. I've got prayer therapy. You know, I've even downloaded the Bible app on my phone. Nothing's working. I love the fact that Paul answers his own questions. He's a, he's a preacher. He says, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ, he can and he does. Jesus Christ, he can and he does. He can and he does. And there are some things that we're battling right now. And we, begin, we need to begin to speak those words of Jesus Christ can and he does. Repeat it. He can and he does. You know, we need to go into our week. We need to go into our battle believing that he can and he does. It goes on to say, um, that is that Jesus Christ can and he does. He acted to set things right in, in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something different. I'm going to read that again. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and all of my mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something different. You know, you can relate to this. I can relate to this, that, you know, I want to do good. I want to serve. I want to put him number one. I want to do all these things. But there's something pulling. There's an influence pulling on my life. There are attitudes and patterns in my life that I wish I could drop right now. If I'm honest, there's things in my life that I wish I could drop. And I'm working on this daily. But this is why I say this. Watch this. In Romans 8, 
verse 1 to 2. It's the next, it's the very next passage. It's in a different chapter, but it's, it's the very next passage, passage. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is no condemnation. I love that Oceans is a church of no condemnation. I love that we can come into this place. You know, we can come into this place and say, hey, I'm struggling. Hey, um, I'm, I'm dealing with this um, and I just, need some, I just need to talk about it. I just need some help. Uh, I, I'm struggling with this. And I love the fact that Oceans, you know, people at Oceans, they just meet you with open arms. They're like, yeah, come on, let's, let's journey with this together. Let's do this together. You're not alone. Uh, even Christ said, he came and he said, I didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. And, and that's what this place is. It's not, for, it's not so that we can all come here and put, you know, make up on our faces and make up on our problems. It's so that we can actually see more Christ in our lives, see more freedom brought into our lives and into others', others lives. And so this place is more of a hospital um, than, than a performance or anything like that. And, and here's the thing, until we, like, like I said last week, until we normalize fallenness, the world will have answers for the problems. And the world doesn't even have the answers, but they'll begin to come up with answers. So we need to normalize fallenness and, and actually deal with our issues in this place so, so that we can have the right and godly answers to it so we can find freedom. So there's no condemnation. And that means that, you know, God will never look at you and be like, you're so worthless, you're so, you should feel shame over that. He, and we get this image, right? But he never does this. He's never like, hey, you don't deserve to be here. He, you, he, never, he never says that. He might convict you. He might be like, hey, you know, bro, your life's a mess, but here's the way out. He might be like, hey, you need to work on this thing because if you work on it, there'll be freedom on the other side. But he'll never be like, hey, you're worthless. In fact, it's the opposite. He says, hey, you're worthy, you're mine, you're chosen. Romans 8.2, the next verse says, because living through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life to set you free from the law of sin and death. And so that's what we're talking about today is breaking free. We want to see more freedom brought into our lives. And so here are three points on how to overcome addiction, how to overcome addiction. And the first one, I wasn't even sure if I was going to put this in, but it's so simple, but it's so profound, is that we need a number one, we need to put God first in every area of our lives. And, and here's why I put this in, right? It's because every time in the Bible, every time someone is a captive to a stronghold, every time someone is a, is a captive to sin, they just can't break through something, every, every time someone's struggling with something, it comes down to one single root word that is addressed again and again. It's one single thing. Every time someone is captive to something, it's one word and it is idolatry. Idolatry is anything we allow to sit on the throne of our hearts that isn't God. Every, every time um, we, we allow anything to sit on the throne of our hearts, sit number one in our lives that isn't God, that's idolatry. And it's the root of, of everything that's sort of wrong in the Bible. Every time you have this inordinate, inordinate relationship with something in your life, it has the power to control us. It controls us. It, 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 it dictates us. And so it's not just a habit. It's a love. It's not, it's not just an addiction. It's a passion. And here's why it's so bad. Here's why it's so bad. When, whenever we, whatever we fall in love with, we get obsessed with. And then whatever we get obsessed with, we, we, we uh, imitate. And whatever we imitate, we become. And whatever we become entraps us. So, so if there's something on the throne of your heart that isn't God, you're on the path to entrapment by it. That's, that's the truth. If there's something on the throne to your heart, you're on the path to serving that. 
And so we are always a slave. It, it turns out that we are always serving, always a slave to whatever takes number one in our lives. Now, some of you might be in this place and you're like, you know, God's not for me right now. That's cool. You're welcome. That's awesome. But for us in this place that we call ourselves, you know, Christians and we want to serve God and, 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 and live under God's, you know, blessing over our lives, under, under His Lordship, then we need to make sure that He's number one in every area of our lives. You know, that's important to know because it's also the solution. It's also the solution. You can have therapy and, and counseling and accountability. They're all amazing. We send people to them. That's great. But until you settle who's the king of your heart, you'll have no success in battling these things long term. We need, to, we, need to, we need to figure out who's the king of our heart, who's number one on our heart. And let me tell you, it's spiritual. It's more than just the physical. It's more than just the, the outside, the external, but it's spiritual. You know, like I said last week, we are, you know, we're not just human beings having a spiritual experience here on a Sunday. We are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience that, that will eventually end. And so it's spiritual. It's so much more than just the battle of the flesh. But it's a battle that needs to happen here first and, and flow out. And so Exodus 20, verse 1 to 3 it says, and uh, this, is the, this is the first of the Ten Commandments, by the way. It says, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. In other words, before we even get to the other nine, before we even work on the rest of your sin, before we even figure out all those other problems, hey, just get this one right first, because the rest will begin to follow. If you can put God number one, the rest will follow. It's there as number one for a reason. When we, when we can figure this out, the rest will follow. And, 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 and we can enjoy other things, like we can, we can enjoy, we can have other loves, but we need to figure out what is number one, what is the first priority in our lives. 1 Peter 3.5 says this, but in, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. And how do we do this? Practically, how do we do this? We give God the first of everything. You know, we as Christians, we just want to make sure that we give God the first of everything. When, you know, let's get really practical. For some of us, you know, when we wake up, we need to give God the first of our thoughts. You know, what's, what's the first thought? And I'm challenging this because I was like, you know, hit and miss for me. But give God the first of my thoughts. Before we even get out of bed, God, I give you my day. You know, even if it's just a thought, if it's, if it's more, that's great. But before I do anything else, God, I want to serve you today. You are number one in my life. You have the first moment of my day. And, and you don't have to do this, but I'm just saying this because I believe that if you begin to do this, you might see results with some of the things you're struggling with. You know, when we put God first in, in just really practically first in our day, you know, we begin first in our lives, we begin to see the rest fall into place. Number two, number two is say no to the flesh. Now, if you're in this place, and you're visit, visiting, that's cool. Like this is, we don't normally preach this hard, like this intense. Um, we're in a break free series and we believe that God's freedom is the best. And so we're going to go hard. Um, but hey, say no to the flesh. Because, you know, for everyone in this place, until we learn to say no to the flesh, you'll struggle. You have a spirit. And when you accepted Christ, so we're not just, you know, we're, we're part spirit and part human. Like there's a flesh side of us, but there's also a spirit. And, and, 
And so our spirit, when we accept Christ into our lives, that's been redeemed, it's eternal, it goes to heaven, but our flesh is still there. And so the Bible addresses this problem. It's like, hey, your spirit's good, like you're, you're saved, but you're going to have to work on your flesh. <laughs> There's going to be things in your flesh that are still going to stick around. It doesn't just all happen and, oh, I'm perfect. No, we actually need to work on, we need to manage what's going on here. And, uh, and so we, the Bible says we have to work on these problems. Your flesh is still going to be tempted. You're still going to have urges, desires. You're still going to have cravings. But we need to learn in our flesh to say no to things. We need to learn to, to say, no, today I'm having a break from social media. Today, this week, I'm having a break from Netflix. This week, I'm, uh, today, I'm not going to drink coffee, you know? We need to learn to, to actually be able to say no to our flesh, to build up that. You know, one of the fruits of the Spirit and one of the results of having the Holy Spirit in your life, the Spirit of God, is that you will grow in self-control. And so th that's there for a reason, so we can begin, begin to manage our flesh. We can't be led by our flesh. If we were led by our flesh, we would all be at home right now watching Netflix and, and ordering Uber Eats. That's what I'd be doing. No, we need to be, we need a say no to our flesh every now and then. We need to learn to say no to things just so that we can make sure that we're not being controlled by our flesh. Like you just need to make sure of that. Uh, you know, with Hour of Power, every Tuesday morning, we meet at 6 a.m. and we pray over you guys. We pray over the church. Like we just invite anyone who wants to be there and we have like, you know, including people that are there physically and, and we have a live stream as well. As well. There's about 20 to 30 people um, that join in our hour of power. And, and the thing I love about that is, uh, is it's such like for me, I have to really say no to my flesh. Like it's super spiritual. It's awesome. I feel great afterwards. Spirit of God, awesome. But at 4.45, the last thing I want to do is get up out of bed and go to, go to Hour of Power. Let's be honest, right? My flesh wants to sleep. My flesh wants to go back to bed. Um, but what I love about it is, is the, reason, the reason I love it, uh, so many reasons, but one of the major ones is, hey, it's an opportunity for me to very literally say no to my flesh so that my spirit can experience a new life. And, uh, and so I say no to my flesh in that way, but I encourage you. Hey, if you want to be at Hour of Power, 6 a.m., 8 Cleaver Street, West Perth, be there. Say no to your flesh. <laughs> you don't have to do that. But uh, the invitation's there. Romans 8, 28, uh, sorry, Romans 8, um, 6, 12 to 14 says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evils, des evil desires. I, I, I want to watch that. No. I, I want to text that person. Well, no. I... Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God and get this, for sin shall no longer be your master. And so we need to offer ourselves to God so that, uh, so that sin shall no longer be our masters. How do we do this? Galatians 5.24 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Crucifying is pretty pretty intense hey like it's 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 pretty intense like on a cross crucified you need to kill the flesh along with its passions and desires you don't just manage the problems you don't just manage your addictions you need to hack those things off you need to kill those addictions you're not having that place in my life those passions and desires i need to make sure that hey that's crucified and i am living in a new freedom and so we need to learn to say no to the flesh. It's sort of like this habit that we need to build into our lives. And one of the ways we do this is every year, at the beginning of the year, we have 21 days of prayer and fasting. 
And, uh, you know, it's pretty intense, right? Fasting, when I tell people, they're like, surely you don't, like, not eat for 21 days. Well, yeah, we sort of do. We want to be in this practice of, of hey, I'm going to, I feel this very literal hunger, um, but I'm, I'm going to say no to that, like this, this urge to eat. Uh, I'm going to say no to that because I want to honor God. See, Christ calls us to, pr- to prayer and fasting. And I think part of the reason, um, and, and, and you know, some miracles can only happen through prayer and fasting. I think the reason is so that we know in all of our lives, even the most fundamental of, of human desires, that we are not a slave to them, but we serve God. Like, I think there's a number of reasons why we, why we fast, but I think that's definitely one of them, is so that we can learn to say no. Like, when I'm fasting, I, I have to say no to that KFC. I have to say no to those popcorn chicken. Oh, man, when I fast, popcorn chicken from KFC is always the number one thing. Hey, I don't know what it is, something spiritual. But I have to learn to say no to that. And what I love about fasting is because it's a hunger, and, I, and, and it reminds me, every time I'm hungry, I'm just like, hey, I, I'm hungry for food, but I'm so much more hungry for God. I'm hungry for this thing, but I'm going to say no to that because I'm so much more hungry to see revival spark out. I'm so much more hungry to see miracles. Like, as much as this hurts, I'm hurting more to see, you know, God's power released in Perth. And so that's why we, we do that every, every year. You don't have to do that. But we invite people. Um, we usually have like 15 to 20 people that do it. It's awesome. But we do that because sometimes we need to learn to say no to the flesh. Sometimes we, and we need to make sure that, you know, we're not being led by our flesh in every area of our lives, but we are being led by God. When we're led by the flesh, that's when addictions can begin to grow up and, and we don't even realize it. But if we want to place God as number one, then we need to learn this habit. We need to learn this habit of being like, hey, no, not today. I'm going to say no to that and ask the Spirit of God to give you the power of self-control. Another way of looking at it is like, if you want to kill addiction, whatever you starve will die. So how do I break addiction into my life? You know, get the right person on your throne. Stop feeding it with the time it needs and, and the money it needs and the attention. No, actually, you know, serve God in that way. Begin to serve God as number one in your life. You know, do that by telling your body, no, you know, you're not having this. You are not having this. Uh, why don't we get the band up? Was, are we cool? We're, yeah, good. Oh, yeah, you're, you're on the queue. Number three is go all in with Jesus. And, um, and why don't we just stand, actually, um, as we come into this time. That's my last point. Go all in with Jesus. And again, it's like really simple, right? Really, really, really simple. But here's the, here's the truth behind it, and here's the reason I included it, is you're never going to get the best of God until you go all in. It's like we can't just, you know, side hustle Christianity. I mean, you can, but you're probably not going to see everything that it's meant to be. Like, you, you can just, you know, have it on the side and, you know, or, you know, it's probably number three, still pretty good. You can, but you're probably not going to see the freedom. You're probably not going to see the miracles or the power of God pour out in your life in the way that it could be. You know, if you want to break free, if you want to break free from addictions, if you want to break free from any stronghold that's in your life, then go all in with Jesus. And, and, and it's really that simple. That's why I love Oceans Academy. I lead Oceans Academy. It's, it's, um, 
it's part of our church here. We have interns who give up a year of their lives and we partner with Alpha Crucis Bible College. They do a diploma of leadership um, and, they, and they also, you know, come on Fridays and we have academy sessions. But what I love about it is it's a year to say, I'm all in for God. And what we intentionally do with interns is we say, hey, the expectation is that you're going to be at everything. Like you're going to be at every dinner party, every Friday morning, every Sunday. You're going to be the first one here and the last one to leave. You're going to be at every welcome party. Like you're at everything. Because the reason behind it, the, the honest reason behind it is that when you are there, when you make that a priority, when you go all in with Jesus, you'll begin to see more freedom build up within you. You begin to see God work on you in a new way. And so we're, we're intentional about this. And it's awesome to see interns come in. And they come in as one person. They come out a different person because it speeds up the transformation process of Christ in your heart, in your life. And and so you don't need to be an intern to, to see that transformation. You don't need to do Oceans Academy. I mean, you can if you want to. It's awesome. Come speak to me. Enrollment's open for next year. But you don't need to do that. That's not a requirement of you breaking free. But hey, just say, I'm all in. I'm going to be at everything. I'm going to actually, you know, so for some of you, it is looking at your calendar and saying, hey, God, I'm all in for you. You're number one. So... Every Sunday, I'm going to be there. Every dinner party, I'm going to make sure I'm in community. I'm even going to serve because as we say, the growing is in the going. If you want to grow in God, then, then actually serve and, and go into your purpose. And, and hey, the, you don't have to do that, but the chances are you'll begin to see some things work, you know, begin to see God work within you and change some things around. You know, for some of you, it's, it's career. It's saying, hey, God, I'm going to go all in with my career. And so, you know, you're number one in my career. And, and, and career comes second, I'm going to sort of figure out, you know, what do you want with my career? What do you want with my family? What do you want with my, you know, come on, let's, let's go all in with Jesus. Romans 12, 2 says, fix your attention to God. I encourage you now, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out, not from the outside in, not your behaviors first. And, and we have to, you know, stop our addictions and then we can come in. No, you'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize that he, uh, what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, dragging you down to its level of maturity, God wants the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. You know, we're going to have this time in a moment where we've got a prayer team and, and uh, we're going to invite you to come out the front and get prayer. But... Um, this is, this is really powerful because I feel like this is the last week of Break Free and, and I, I genuinely feel in my spirit, like I genuinely feel that God wants to break people free and, uh, and it's going to be a really powerful time. So in a moment, if you just have anything, it could be an addiction, it could be even something else, but you're just like, oh, I need to go all in or God, I need to make you number one or if you have anything, come and get prayer and come and see God's, it says God's divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power. You don't have to do it in your own strength. You know, there's divine power. I encourage you, in a moment we're going to do that. But I just want to share with you this, this last story. See, when I was a youth pastor, um, five, five years ago, we had this youth event and it was awesome. It was crazy. Um, it was actually the biggest youth event we'd had um, at, that, at that place. And, um, and it was really cool because I was just hanging out with, with like young people at the start and, and this new young person rocks up and says, go say hi, go say hi to him, go say hi to his parents. And, um, you know, he's pretty shy, pretty sad, and, um, you know, just 
introverted. He didn't really want to speak, you know. As a youth pastor, you try and start conversations and he's like, yeah. and like, you just persist and keep going. But he was like that. And uh, I'm like, cool, well, awesome. Um, we went into our service. We had a guest preacher. Guest preacher was preaching on healing. He was preaching on physical healing. And so, so me as a youth pastor, like, I was like, yeah, awesome, let's go. I've, I've prayed for people and they haven't been healed before. Um, I prayed for people and they hadn't been healed, but I believe in the power of healing, but I've never seen that when I pray for people. So I'm like, come on, let's go. And then, so he does his altar call. If you have anything physical, mental, emotional you need healing for, come forward. We had 110 young people in that place. 90 of them came forward. And, um, and so I'm just like, like, this is hectic. So we got all of our leaders praying. One of them's in the back. Um, but we had all these people there. And I remember praying for this young person. Um, and the young person that came for the first time, and I met him, he was the first one I prayed for. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, he's not, I don't even think he's Christian. His family's in church, but he's responded to the message. So I'm like, hey, bro, like, um, can I pray for you? Like, what can I pray for? And he's like, yeah, I've just got like a really sore knee. I've had it since birth. I was born with it. And it was there and it was, you know, just persistent. I can't play sport. It hurts, you know, before sport and after sport. And so I don't play sport anymore. And, and, um, and, and as well as that, I'm just really like, finding it hard. He was 13, just starting out high school. He's like just finding it hard, um, you know, in high school for the first time. He's just really struggling with thoughts and, and getting connected. He's just down. And so I just, I'm just like, um, oh yeah, he continues to say, he's, he's like, I, I don't know if I believe in God, but if he can do this, I'll believe in him. I'm like, oh, <laughs> sweet man, no pressure. I've just got to pray and there's got to be a miracle. Otherwise, you know, I might not catch up with you in heaven. That's crazy. So I'm like, all right, no pressure. So I just start praying for him. I'm like, just, I've never seen this before. I've never actually had this happen, but I'm just going to start praying. And as I'm praying, um, you know, I just start praying, Holy Spirit, would you fill him? Would you touch him, God? Would, would you rework things within his knee? Like lay hands on his knee. It's awesome. Um, I say, amen. I'm like, hey, bro, like, how do you feel? And he gets up and there's no pain. But not only that, like, here's the thing that's crazy, right? So there was the physical healing and he's like running around and everything like that. Like, let's like, that's celebrate that. That's, that's awesome. But, but the thing that really got me is there was like an immediate, like, um, emotional, spiritual shift within him that he wasn't even Christian, but he encountered the presence of God. And, and what began to happen is, you know, this, this downness, this depression he was in was lifted in a moment because he went, he went forward for prayer. He didn't even believe in God, but this is the thing. This is the thing that I want to bring into this moment is that God will meet you where your faith is at. And so his faith was there, even though me as a youth pastor, I'm like, I'll just pray some prayer. I don't know. But his faith was there. He's like, hey, I want to see God heal me from this, um, not just physically, but emotionally. And, and he saw it because his faith was there. Now, I want to encourage you. If your faith is there tonight, come on, let's, let's not just wait. Let's not just sit in our seats. There are so many of us that, that need prayer, that need healing, that need God to come in with His divine power. Let's step forward. Let's say, hey, God, I've got faith. Would you meet me here? God, I believe that you can do this. If you can do this, God, would you just do it? I'm going to come forward. I'm going to do everything I need to do, change my position. But God, I want a miracle in my life. If, if, if that's you, we've got a prayer team that's going to come out the front. But as we begin to sing and worship, let's just come out the front now. Let's, let's begin to just ready ourselves to, to raise our faith. Come on, let's, let's come forward if you want prayer today.